One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Triple Jump Podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Peter. And my name is Ashton. Hello Ashton. Hello. He's not here He's again. He's not here again. Oh no. He's got the, the vid. The vid. The COVID. He has got COVID. He's got it. He's... It's not plops, it's actual coronavirus. Yeah, well last week it also wasn't plops. It turns out it was actually coronavirus. Yeah, So that I guess was. So. That was a fun thing to find out on Thursday night. For the avoidance of doubt, uh, Plops is not... Well, we've not got it, and (laughs) Plops is also not a known symptom of corona. Well, in fact, I think, like, way down the list, some people get Plops, but it's not one of the ones to watch out for. No. If you've got got the big Plops, doesn't necessarily mean you've got COVID. No, If you have COVID, you might have big Plops. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, we we, uh, sort of found out that Ben had COVID... Kind of like the day after, was it, that we'd recorded um, Worst Games Ever? Oh, yeah, Weirdest Games weirdest, Ever, sorry. We found out the, the day after we recorded Weirdest Games Ever. Which goes out next month, I think. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, he was yeah. off. He wasn't feeling very well uh, Wednesday afternoon. And mm-hmm. then Thursday, he didn't come in because he wasn't very well. And then Thursday night, uh, we got a message with a picture of a COVID test being like, well, I'm positive. I'm positive. So we both did some COVID tests on Thursday mm-hmm. and I did one on Friday morning. Then there was half the office was at home on Friday because everyone was like, well, that's now like, what, four people who've had it in the office yeah. in the last couple of weeks? Yeah. So uh, we'd managed to get away with it I somehow. I know, despite like, I mean, I don't want to... Literally being sat elbow to elbow yeah each other. um and it was a i don't want to be too spoilery but there was a bit of a sort of workout going on in that room there was as well. there was so some heavy breathing happening heavy breathing and it warm air so it could yeah. have been quite a hotbed literally for uh covid but we me and ashton got away with it yeah. which would but you've had it before so yeah. maybe i've had it and i didn't know maybe but. maybe you're the re- maybe you had it first this time and yeah you just asymptomatic completely asymptomatic maybe um anyway this is our coronavirus podcast yeah um we're supported each and every week by a sponsor which i've got the read for here um ben's not the only one who's been ill ashton okay uh i i don't know if you know but every single day when i go home i just throw up um just every night you should Uh, see a doctor about it. i should probably see a doctor about it but uh in the meantime i've done a brand deal okay um and uh, I've got a, a new video game coming out all about me and my vomiting exploits. Right. Um, coming, I think, at the end of this month, Tiny Peter's Chunderlands. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Thanks. 
Oh, it's really good. It's good, isn't it? Tiny um, Peter's Chunderlands. Yeah. So yeah. in the game, you're a group of friends who are playing a tabletop role-playing game about a guy who just keeps throwing up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just go around, have adventures. Try and figure out why he keeps chundering. Yeah, there's a really good voice cast. Yeah. Um, Who's in it? Oh, you know, um, like the guy, the guy who voices Wallace. Um, <laughs> okay. Not the old one. He's no longer with us. Not the dead. The second, like the stand-in Wallace is in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some other people, I think. But stand-in Wallace is the kind of headline act. Oh, okay, cool. Um, He does really good vomiting noises. That's what he's famous. He's famous for Wallace and also going. Oh, no. (laughs) Anyway, maybe we'll move quickly on from that because it's not real. Not real. There is not a game called Tiny Peter's Chunderlands. I hope you're all enjoying your lunch. But do you still be sick every time? But that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I think that's just because I'm disgusted by my job and the (laughs) fact that I do things like this. So Uh I just go home and I'm like, oh, I feel unwell. Purge Purge the sins. Yeah. 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 Well, we are actually sponsored by, well, kind of sponsored by mm. a whole other group of people. All of our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Whereas, <sighs> where for as little as $1 a month, you can ask questions on this very podcast. Mm. And there's lots of other tiers, but lots of other great things. So why not check out patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Please do it. One other thing as well, Peter, isn't there? There's one other thing you can do to support. Well, there's lots of things you can do, but Mm -hmm. one that we're going to really signpost here is you can go to facebook.com forward slash team triple jump and you can follow slash like the page. Uh, And when we get to 10,000, we're very, very close now. We've been saying that for a while, but we are very close. (laughs) Uh, We will start to like pay our staff and and stuff like that. And we'll be able to afford to uh, have the heating on. And, yeah, that uh, would be nice. Put uh, the lights on in more than one room at a time. Everyone out there at the moment, they're in the dark so that we can have the lights on in here. Mm-hmm. That's how we're really hard up. The whole company <laughs> is going down. No, it's not. It's fine. We do have the lights on everywhere. We're, we're on the up and up. We are on the up and up. But, but the... you can up us even more. Yes. Mm. Yeah. By we're doing that. Facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Up us even more. Up us even more. Let's have a question one, I think, Peter. It's from Steve, who says, just hello. Steve. Just Steve. Just Steve, is all it says. Hello, beautiful BAP. Thank you very much. Do you think there should be a pricing system for different types of games? For example, should a super linear 20 to 30 hour game be the same price as a 100 plus hour open world game uh, or cheaper? Oh, yeah, should it be the same price or should it be cheaper? Uh, I know lots of money goes into the, uh, into these games, but surely the playtime should come into the price as well. Love to know your thoughts. Stay safe. Love you. Bye, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Um, well, this already exists to a certain extent when you're comparing sort of AAA games against non-AAA games. Mm. And I'm not just talking about like small indie titles, but, you know, you can some games come out that are like kind of, you know, hotly anticipated games but there may be a slightly smaller scale and they they're more like 35 quid or something i was like trying to Kana. Think, exactly yeah i was trying to think of an example before the podcast and Kana is a very good example you know it's Thanks. not not necessarily triple <laughs> a as such or it's not you know from a huge studio it was a first outing for them um and as a result and because the game i guess was a bit smaller uh the price was smaller uh but i imagine what steve, you know steve probably is aware of that but is maybe kind of asking all right but in in the big leagues mm. with the triple a games do you think this should be the case and i think it would be it's a nice idea it makes sense um especially for people people who play uh their games differently so 
Well, in a way, although I've said that, that can kind of complicate matters because, for example, I can buy a 100 plus hour open world game and I might actually just think I've only really got time to play the main story here um, or I just want to kind of give it a go and stuff. So should that be more expensive than another super linear game that I might play and play all the way through and get 100% of it? Um, I'm probably not really the kind of the target of this question and it is talking more about the people who really do comprehensively play through their open world RPGs and Mm -hmm. stuff. But I think the main issue is if this was somehow enforced, I think it's more likely that all that would do is raise the price of the bigger games rather than reduce the price of the smaller games. Because in a sense, although it doesn't necessarily feel like it all the time, Video game prices, we've actually done very well as consumers uh, in terms of video game price increases or lack thereof because uh, because our recording software has just, <laughs> has just frozen. Okay, we fixed it. Hello. If you're, watching on, if you're watching on YouTube right now, there may have been a little bit of a hang there. If you're listening on, on the podcast feed, you're fine. Yeah, nothing happened. Uh, let me try and remember what I was saying. So in terms of inflation, I've got some stats here for you, Ooh, Ashton. Ooh, exciting. If you were just for inflation, a Nintendo 64 game at mm. sort of the height of its, you know, at, at time of release uh, was $70. Um, a PS2 game, $63. Um, I mean, that's partly that accounts for the fact that cartridges were more expensive than than discs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's roughly the sort of prices that people pay in the States right now. Someone's really having a stomp upstairs. Oh, my God. Someone's having a tantrum. Wow. They can't wait to get outside for a, a smoke or for a meal deal or something. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of the same sort of prices that people are paying now. Mm. Um, so my concern would be if someone did march into the video game parliament and said, hey, listen, everyone, we're, we reckon that big games should cost or smaller games should cost less than big games, then the only way is up, really. I think they would just make the big games more expensive. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think that there is also kind of an in-between zone of the 20 to 30 linear and the 100 hour Mm. um open world yeah because there's many an open world game now that like is can take 100 hours like you say but to the average person will only take 60 to maybe 70 hours which is still like a long time yeah but not anywhere near like over 100 hours um i think that like if you say that this game has 100 hours of of content the average person probably isn't going to play a hundred hours yeah, of content. Probably not. Um, but that is kind of where you where do you draw the line? You say, well, this game can have a hundred hours of content, but it also could have just twenty to thirty hours if you just mainline the story. So, do you go for like the maximum amount of time someone could play the game and, and charge mm. for it, or do you go for like the minimum amount of time someone could play yeah. the game and charge for it? So it's kind of I think hard to put your like you know, finger on where you draw the line with it. But also I think that a lot of times a hundred hour open world is like the same amount of story slash like main content as a 20 to 30 hour linear game. There's just a lot of added guff. Yeah. Like you go around, you're like, well, I can do every single question mark or I can complete every little combat or anything, but you could run around a story game for a hundred hours and still kind of discover the same amount of content. I think that like a hundred hour open world game is like, well, it's massive and there's loads of question marks and it'll take you a hundred hours just to run across the map. Mm -hmm. But like also kind of, does it have more content and more 
worth than a 20 to 30 hour long game that has everything kind of condensed into one you know bulk area yeah um so I think it's it's hard to kind of say whether something should cost more than the other. I think there is obviously cir- circumstances where like you can kind of see why a game would cost more than another game. Like I I personally think that Elden Ring was potentially cheaper than it should have been. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean Ben managed to get it for forty five pounds, mm-hmm. and I paid. 70 quid for horizon and i'm kind of like well that's fine like i don't mind paying because it's a game that i got like 75 hours out of and i'm still playing but i also kind of think that maybe there's not there's not kind of a rule at this point in yeah. anything like elden ring being 45 pounds was kind of baffling to me mm-hmm. but i don't know where like the rule is and kind of the individual developer or publisher will make the the prices up but there isn't kind of any consistency, I don't think, between yeah. all of them. So I think until we have a kind of level of consistency, it was hard to kind of decide whether there should be a pricing system. Because yeah. right now, like, things are all over the place. Like, some games that shouldn't cost 80 quid cost 80 quid. Some games that cost should cost, you know, 60, 70 quid cost only, like, 40 pounds. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, it's weird. Like, Elden Ring being only, like, 10 pound more expensive than Kana was quite surprising mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. So I think, you know, as we say with a lot of things, uh, when I answer this kind of question, it's like it's all very subjective. Yeah. Whether a game should or should not cost more. But like you say, I think the issue isn't that it would make the 20 to 30 hour games cheaper. It would make the 20 to 30 hour games the base price. Mm-hmm. And then the 100 hour game would be 20 quid more expensive. Potentially so, yeah. Um, so. I think both the f- you both your, your first two points... Um, like you, you make a good point like when you're saying you know where do you draw the line in terms of how much you get out of a certain game like a hundred hour game maybe you would only play like x x number of hours yeah. it also made me think like well what about games that you know for example like either a live service game i mean i know like you might then have a kind of a seasonal payment yeah. system but maybe not a live service game then but one that doesn't cost to play online like for example i played hours and hours and hours and hours of star wars battlefront 2 back in you know a couple of years ago mm. um do, does that mean that i should should have maybe paid you know like more, more or yeah. like is it comparable if i played 100 hours of that game as many people have done would you then put that into the category of the 100 hour yeah. game price like you know i'm not like picking holes in steve's argument i'm saying the whole the whole point is that it's so difficult to like quantify this yeah. in terms of uh you know hours played versus potential hours you can get out of it versus like average number of hours from like one player to the next mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh that's that's tricky i'm trying to remember what the second thing you said was um, uh... Uh, I talked about how much content was in a game and then I talked about I can't remember no I can't remember either but that's okay uh, clearly it wasn't important no obviously (laughs) not no it was yeah I I had something to say uh, to your second point but we should we should have pen and paper when we're doing these conversations I also think it's about kind of you know again it's all subjective but like you could potentially play a linear 20 hour game multiple times over the course of like however long you you play the game like mm. if you've got a, a game and then you play it on like new game plus or you go back and you collect the collectibles by playing the whole story again like you could play a game a couple of times and potentially maybe have the same amount of runtime as a game that you only play one time yeah does that mean you should then pay for it again because you yeah. play, played it once you know there's all many things of like oh well you've got your 20 to 30 hours 
cost out of it now. So mm-hmm. if you want to play it again, you have to pay me again if you would. Yeah. Pay. Obviously, so, we're being facetious, but it's like yeah. to illustrate how how difficult it is to like. Yeah. Uh, make this this argument. Uh, I remember what, what it was. What did I say? It was you were talking about how you know a, a, a quote unquote one hundred hour game might actually just have a lot of question marks on the yeah. map. Um, and you know, Steve makes the point about the cost of production and so on. And certainly, a lot of hours and and you know, we know full well that there's all kinds of like crunch issues with mm. developers and stuff. Um, but I sort of wonder. If the bulk of content is, I basically the point that you made, I thought about bringing along, and then I was like, well, I'm not a developer. I don't understand the exact ins and outs of like how this works. But yeah. I imagine that once they've got the system in place to like generate uh, like a camp that you have to clear out, or mm-hmm. like to put a, a rucksack down, the one of fifty rucksacks, like it's relatively easy just to go rucksack there rucksack there rucksack there like they use the the software that they you know for developing the game it's probably fairly straightforward to just bulk out the game really quickly by placing a load of markers down um and so you know how do you how do you justify an increased price for some aspects of that 100 plus hour game that maybe don't take a significantly like higher amount of manpower yeah. and stuff. I think like building maps clearly takes a lot. I think that's one of the things that is difficult. And building like a game engine in a game world, like having dynamic encounters and um, you know, I saw it, there was a clip going around YouTube I think the other day of uh, someone who's playing Red Dead Redemption Two and they just walk down to the lake and this eagle comes down and grabs a salmon out of the lake and flies away. And the video it was like an eight second clip and it yeah. said like why this game was game of the year or like or, or yeah. you know why this is one of the best games uh, why it took so long or something like that um and so yeah there's lots of things that go into the 100 plus hour games that would justify an increased price but then like there's other aspects to it where you would think do, should i pay like way more just for 50 backpacks like you know yeah. it's kind of what you were saying <laughs> yeah. but um anyway yeah that was it i remembered yeah so, so there there. that was almost a bit of a big discussion it really. was almost a bit of a big discussion yeah. um well, it's time for a segment we've never done before, and it's in honor of Ben, who's currently coughing from oh, COVID. Oh no. It's time to talk about what we're playing. What we're playing. It's what we play in time. Time to talk about what we play in. What we play in. Peter. Hey, Peter. Yeah. What have you, you been playing? I finished Little Nightmares 1, which oh, yeah? I've, I've done before, yeah. but I talked last week about how I was playing that. I played all of Limbo last mm-hmm. week in one go. Um, and then started Little Nightmares 1, which I've completed probably twice before or maybe three times. Um, and that game gets a little bit creepy at the end, and I don't like it. <laughs> I like it. I really like it, and that's what what I love so much about both of those games is the kind of weird mixture of, like, you are just a child in a kind of almost... Massive world. In a, yeah, yeah, in, like, a very sort of childlike world in a certain way, but it's also really macabre and spooky. I think they're one of the spookiest like two games I've ever played. Yeah. I think like that, I don't think Resident Evil was that scary, mm-hmm. like especially the new one. Yeah. But I think that 
parts of the second game just have eerie. made me genuinely be like, oh, don't like it, don't like it, don't like it, don't like it. Well, the second game, I know you said you got to like the, the, the mannequins there in the hospital. I mean, that is really horrible. Yeah. Like that's, I definitely thought that was the most disturbing part of the, of well, probably of both games combined. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there are, there are all kinds of monsters and bosses in both of those games. Like the first, the first main boss of the, of the opening area, um, in the first game mm. is that long armed man. Oh yeah. And he's horrid. Yeah. And then in the second one, there's that teacher, the teacher with the long neck. and her head chases yeah. you through the vents. Like yeah. it's also spooky and it, but it's presented in that almost like claymation style, um, Tim Burton thing. Uh, anyway, so I, I finished that again for whatever it is, the third or fourth time. And I have also purchased Inside. Uh, ah. I've not started it yet. But I said last week that that was kind of I had a an itch to scratch because mm-hmm. um, I'd seen some footage of the new Far game. And uh, so I've been playing Limbo and Little Nightmares. And now, long last, I will be playing Inside. Someone actually commented on the previous podcast and said, I will what was it sign up to patreon i think if or or like you on facebook if peter plays inside yeah so, so you're gonna have to do that next week whoever you whoever you are um <laughs> philip reed also our, our ranked list writer mm-hmm. um messaged me and when he listened to the podcast and said you need to play inside you need to if you can you need to sit down and play it all in one go i can't wait to hear what you think about it i really like it so I've got a lot of social pressure now to get yeah, that game played. But I'm looking forward to it. I've I've always wanted to play it and I've just never got around to it. And now I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna do it. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Me too. Ashton, what have you been playing? Well, I finished Horizon Forbidden West at the weekend. Mm-hmm. I finished the story. There's Aloy now, running and jumping, climbing trees. Yeah. Fighting oh my god dinosaurs like a dinosaur yeah um yeah i finished horizon food and west on sunday i finished the story uh and i went back a couple times this week just to kind of polish up a couple of more collectibles and stuff i really enjoy this game i think that like i think the story is really good some people were really disappointed with the ending but without mm-hmm. kind of talking about the ending um i think that i actually really enjoyed it and i think it wrapped things up really nicely it's set itself up to not be the last in the game in okay. the franchise um whether they carry on with Aloy or not I will not spoil okay um but I think that there's lots in this game that have made me like very happily or uh sadly react or kind of I was really engrossed in the story and I think I kept having to force myself which I don't know if I should have done I think maybe if I'd have just gone through the story and then gone back and swept everything up I may have kind of enjoyed the story a little bit more I think Mm -hmm. because I was kind of stopping myself from doing all the story stuff when there was lots of other things to do I think I kind of got detachment a little bit yeah Yeah. because I kept having to stop playing for a couple days as well because I had people visiting or I was doing other things in the evening and I just think that maybe I'd have I would have enjoyed it more if I'd have been able to just kind of like power through the story and, and did you do that because you wanted to make it last or because i you... wanted to kind of do everything and i was worried that if i finished the game i wouldn't be able to go back and do things right you know sometimes in like open world games they kind of get to the point where like you cannot go back after this yeah and i'm kind of like oh what, what if i like miss something that i really needed to have done mm-hmm. like but luckily in the, i mean in the first game there was a trophy for getting every npc to fight with you in the final battle yeah right whereas this game doesn't have that if they're going to fight with you you've kind of met them in the story so it's not too bad um 
but yeah, I I enjoyed it. There were some really like fist pumpy moments in the in the final battle. There was some really like an Avengers moment where everyone jumped down and everyone was like fighting, and I was like, yes, nice, sick. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that I. I think maybe potentially it has a couple of pacing issues because of how much content there is. But I think that I, I think that it depends how you play it. Because I, like I say, I really enjoyed it and I, I struggled to pick holes in it. But I think that maybe potentially, maybe I just didn't play it in the best way that I could have done, but it didn't really have a perfect playthrough kind of method, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Um. But still, the game is like, in insanely beautiful and the story's really good and the characters you meet are really you know enthralling and you really mm-hmm. like them and and there's people from the first game that you bump into or that you meet in various situations and I just really enjoyed it and I think that like I think if you're a fan of the first game you'll love it and if you like Aloy she has a real character progression in this as well that she kind of didn't get as much in the first game um and which is really nice to kind of see and I think that, yeah, I think it's a really good game and I've really enjoyed it. And I'm sad that I can't go back and experience everything for the first time again. Mm. Like there's one moment very early on in the story where like something happens and, and you meet a new character. And I literally like my mouth, my jaw was like on the ground. And I was like so excited that mm-hmm. it was happening. And I'm, I'm glad that I'll never be able to kind of like have that first experience again. Yeah. Because I just remember being so like, this is the best game I've ever played. <laughs> and there was moments like that all the way through the game, which is really nice. Um, and like I say, all the all the, the NPCs are very in, like engaging as well. I still think that they they amped up the kind of side quests in like marketing maybe a bit too much because they said that like side quests really mean something and like right. you, they're a lot more fleshed out and I think that some of them are but there's definitely still a couple of side quests where I was like okay I'm just gonna go here and do this and go here and do that it doesn't really make mm-hmm. any difference to my life like it's just kind of you know whatever there's like main I would call them there's like main side quests right and then there's like world side quests yeah so there's okay. things that you can find in the world one of which I broke completely and I still oh, yeah. I still can't do it oh, no. um, <laughs> and then there's like the main side quests that you kind of unlock by doing the story which I think those ones are really like make a lot of sense and are really fleshed out and add a lot of lore into the world but the side side quests are kind of less important mm-hmm. to the story but I, I mean i did all of them apart from the one that i broke um and i enjoyed them and i found myself kind of like eager to do things um so yeah i've i finished that on sunday i've been playing it a little bit this week but i've been playing because we got a early copy of it on playstation gta 5 yes um expanded and enhanced oh is the f- official title E-N-D. um i think that that it is uh the same game mm-hmm. as before. I talked a bit, a bit about it on the Quipscope, but I just... It's the same game, man. Like It's, it's becoming Skyrim, isn't it? In it terms is. of re-releases over and over again. But the thing is that I think if they'd have just said like, oh, it's the PS5 upgrade, better graphics, you know, you're welcome. I get that. But they called it the Expanded and Enhanced, which I mean, Enhanced, maybe yeah, you enhance the graphics. Mm. Expanded, for where? I cannot see... <laughs> I am blind to the expansion. Yeah. Because they're just, there's, there's like expanded story mode is like a thing called like the director's mode where like you can watch back things that you've done in the game and like 
right. different camera. I don't really understand it, but that's all they've done in the story. And then they've added a couple more bits and bobs in the online mode. Speaking of the online mode, that's basically what I've been trying to play this week. And I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I haven't, I've played a bit of online when it was on Xbox 360 and I didn't have any idea what I was doing then. But this time they've added what they call the career mode. And that essentially means that when you start the game, you can pick whether you want to have a nightclub, be a CEO, own a motorcycle gang or run guns. Those are basically like the four options that you have to pick from when mm -hmm. you load in. The thing is though, you pick one of those, you spend the 4 million that they give you and then they go, well, do these first couple of missions and then you're on your own. So I did a couple of missions. I picked the nightclub, tried to open my own nightclub, eventually managed to get it to work. And then um, they were like, cool, you've got a nightclub now. And I was like, well, how do I do it? What do, what I, do, do, I, do I do with it? Because the nightclub's got like a underground like area where you can like run drugs through or whatever. Mm. I don't know how to do it. I can't do anything. <laughs> like I keep You're telling, too innocent, that's I'm why. trying to get my guy to like do on one of the illegal operations, but it's like, you don't have any illegal operations. And I'm like, but how do I what do What you need it? to do is go on Google and put, how do I run drugs well, through this, a nightclub? Yeah, this is kind of what I had to do. <laughs> but then I was like going, it was like, right, in order to start a weed farm, you have to buy a clubhouse, start a motorcycle gang, then buy a weed farm. I had to buy a clubhouse for like 200,000. And then to buy a weed farm, I needed more money. And I was like, well, I haven't got enough bloody money now because I've had to buy this clubhouse because apparently I can't just buy a weed farm in my nightclub. Everyone knows so, that everyone who grows weed started out in a motorcycle yeah, gang. Yeah, exactly. So I was fact. getting so mad. And I kept getting on servers where they were like, you can't actually do this because there's too many CEOs or VIPs in the in this, uh, server. Right. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll go on a friends only server. And it's like, Actually, you can't do that here because you can only do this on a, you can only do this on a, a public server. And uh. I was like, but I can't. <laughs> um, but I played some races with some people. I started a crew that I think, that triple jump crew. So you can still join it if you fancy it. And maybe like if I play just some more races and and that kind of thing, I think is probably the fun part of GTA Online because mm -hmm. I don't think the none of the world makes any sense and I have no idea what's going on and then some guy kept ruining my life with a tank last night and it was really annoying oh. me. I was just trying to put up some posters to promote my nightclub and they kept killing me with a tank and I was like please uh, I'm just trying to put me posters on this wall and it so kept killing me is that I because I've not watched any uh footage of the of, of that yet but mm. is the is the nightclub it's like presumably it's like a physical building you can go to yeah. right and in, it's people on dancing the map in it. right yeah so what so if you have multiple nightclub owners on a single server, do you all just sort of own the same nightclub? Well, this or is the thing. Like there's there's other buildings? nightclubs on the map, but I assume that if you own a nightclub, it will not put you on the server with someone who also owns that yeah, same Yeah, so nightclub. they have to sort of like match make people in in the sense of like, oh, we can't have two people who yeah, own number owns three, that nightclub six and street. Peter also does. So yeah. he has to go to a different server. Yeah. Otherwise we both own the nightclub. That's a weird thing. So yeah, I don't really understand how it works. I think that maybe I, I just keep playing it because I don't know what else to play. I'm kind of in a bit mm. of a limbo stage right now and I kind of like thought, oh, I'll just keep picking this up and I keep picking it up and immediately being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I can't figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been playing this week. Oh boy. Well, should we move on to question two? We shall. This one comes from Callum's story. Callum says, Hi Bap. Now that Ben has sampled the delights of Halo franchise, could he be persuaded to delve into the Fantastic Gears of War series next? We'll never know. Ben? Um, and which other series have the three of you missed out on previously due to exclusivity, which you now plan on 
which you now plan to go back to uh, back to since you have an array of PCs, Xboxes, and Nintendos between you as well as your Playstations. Thanks, Callum. Thanks, Thanks Callum. Callum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if Ben wants to go and play Gears of War, but I think he should maybe give it a go. I played the first one and really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't play any of the others, partly due to exclusivity mm-hmm. issues, but uh, it's good. I like Gears of War 1. Uh, I... I've got a few uh, games here that I would love to at some point play and that uh, I missed out on at the time because I didn't... I was I was very fortunate. My Well, I say I was. My household were very fortunate in that I had a PS2 and my older brother had an original Xbox, right? Mm. So we had, it was a two-console house. Um, but I was only so fortunate in the sense that I played on my PS2 and he played on his Xbox, and we didn't really let each other play on each other's consoles. Yeah. They were in our bedrooms. So as is the sibling way. Yeah. So as much as there was actually an Xbox in my house, I hardly ever played it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I kind of missed out on on these games. Um, he used to play Fable quite a lot, um, yeah, yeah. and he would let my sister play Fable, but he wouldn't let me play Fable. <laughs> and I thought Fable looked really good. I liked the soundtrack to it. Um, you know, at least I could enjoy that. I could hear the music coming from his bedroom and I thought, oh, that's good. It's a good game. <laughs> um, but I've, uh, you know, I, I, I used to watch him play sometimes and I've seen other people play it too. Mm. I think Fable 1 is very charming. Um, I know that there were, there's Fable 2 and 3 and, that, you know, maybe they're not as good as the first and I'm, I'm not really that well read on how good each one is. But mm. certainly the first Fable game I'd love to play. Never played Morrowind. Um, and I've had effectively had access to that for a long time because, you know, you can play on PC, but I've just never got around to it. Um, and I feel like I should give it a go at some point, but I think the longer I leave it, um, you know, the, the more it's going to just feel like it's aged a lot. If I'd maybe played it after I first gave Oblivion a go and and loved that, then I probably would have really enjoyed Morrowind. Mm. But, um, you know, we're, we're beyond Skyrim now and, Elder Scrolls 6 is supposedly coming out at some point so maybe Morrowind wouldn't go down so well for me um but uh the last one um is I would love to play Conquer um so there was Conquer there was a Conquer game on Xbox but uh I'm obviously talking about the N64 classic um and I have I was saying to our our editor Kieran the other day Mm. That I really want to buy an N64. I've wanted to do it for a long time. I think I mentioned on the podcast multiple times before that both of my best friends growing up had N64s. So till I was eight years old, I lived in one part of the country and then I moved. And then like my new best friend also had an N64. So I always had you have a type. access via yeah, I've got a type. <laughs> <laughs> I always had access to N64 via a best friend. Yeah. But that generally meant that like I've only played multiplayer games. So mm. I played like loads of Diddy Kong Racing, um, Pokemon Stadium, like Smash Bros. and stuff, but never really got to fully explore like Mario 64, um, Conquer uh even goldeneye like we played multiplayer goldeneye quite a lot but i've not played the the campaign of goldeneye um so there's a whole load of n64 stuff that i would love to play and i keep thinking that at some point i will just buy one from cex and and play it legit i know you can emulate but i'd quite like to play it with the actual console so yeah all kinds of n64 games really is probably my answer Fair. Well, I had an Xbox 360 when I was a late teen Mm -hmm. that I played for about two years and then had to go to university. Um, I, so I didn't have a PlayStation 3 
And I only had a PlayStation 4 for, I think, about two years before we got PlayStation 5. Um, but I wanted to play The Last of Us mm-hmm. after I realized that it wasn't that other game, The Walking Dead, that I thought it was. And I was like, oh, this game. I never got to play this game. Why didn't I play this? Why didn't I play this? And then I realized it's because I didn't have PlayStation 3. So I got the remaster mm. and I played the remaster and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then in terms of once I'd kind of gone to uni and got back into gaming again, I realized there's loads of Xbox games that I had never got the opportunity to play. But then when Xbox Game Pass came out they were all suddenly in front of me and i was like hey i remember these games that i saw and didn't play yeah sunset overdrive Mm -hmm. always really uh kind of looked really interesting to me because it was bright and colorful and kind of just looked fun um so i gave that a go over last year and i I haven't actually gone back to it in a while i think it's because i've been quite busy with other games Mm -hmm. um but i yeah i've once played that and then xbox game pass gave me the opportunity to do so and also psychonauts now i oh yeah tried to play psychonauts ages ago when xbox game pass first came out and i was like oh man yeah everyone talks a lot about it and the second one's coming out i want to give it a go see if it's like good see what everyone see what the hype's about um but i still haven't got around to actually playing it because i think i i downloaded it booted it up saw that it was kind of like very dated now mm. and was like oh that's what ben thought isn't it i think he played it recently mm. um, for the same reasons and i i also think i'd like to play it at some point yeah and when ben actually played it he said mm, it's not aged super well it's just it's just an old 3d platformer yeah. like it's kind of yeah it's just that's the way it's going to be i guess but yeah because my ben also gave it a go uh played the first one and then the second one pretty quickly afterwards mm. um and he really enjoyed it and was saying about how much he, he really liked the game and, oh, and, and really enjoyed it. But he said that it's like it's hard to play at certain points and it's like definitely definitely aged not like fine wine. Yeah. So it's kind of um it's one of those ones that I would love to play, but maybe I will never play because I don't know if I'd be able to kind of like handle it mm-hmm. as much. Um but that those two, especially from Xbox, I was really like, oh, I want to play those. And then yeah. I've finally got the opportunity now. Xbox Game Pass is, is here, which is nice. Um, same thing happened with Portal, to be fair. I'd seen Portal and I didn't have any way of playing it. And then when uh, my boyfriend had his big gaming PC, he was like, you want to play Portal? I was like, yes, I want to play Portal, mm. please. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so, yeah, there's been a couple of games that I've kind of gradually played again over the years that like I had missed out on. Um, but there's loads of games from when I was little that I just will probably never be able to go back and play because I don't have the patience for for older games, unfortunately, because I don't have the nostalgia factor anymore. Yeah, I think that helps. Even if, obviously, you've not played the game in question, if you've got, like, a nostalgia for the genre, mm. like, broadly. Like, I, uh, a few years ago now, I went and played um, Sly Raccoon, Sly Cooper for the first time, yeah. the first game, because I it, that had completely passed me by at the time on PS2, and then I heard people talking about it years later, and I thought, oh, this, why did I not play that? Like, that that's the kind of thing that I would have loved. Um, and uh, I was... I was able to enjoy it. Admittedly, I didn't actually finish it because I got, like, I think a a big game came out at the time and I had put it to one side and never went Mm. back to it. But um, I was able to enjoy it at the time. But the whole time I was playing, I was like, man, if if other people came back to play this for the first time and they didn't already have, like, a kind of a a love for the genre, I can see why, like, that wouldn't have aged well for those people. Yeah um so yeah that's i also the issue. in the sense of like having a friend who had a game i always wanted to play sims 3 
And one mm-hmm. of my friends, her, she was a farmer's daughter, so she was really rich. She oh. was part of the young farmers. Mm-hmm. She's, she goes to all those balls and stuff. Um, and she had a computer that had The Sims 3 on it, and I was so jealous. Mm-hmm. And I all I wanted to do, whenever I go around the house, I was like, can I play The Sims 3? <laughs> She's like, Ashton, we played The Sims 3 for like four hours last time. And I'm like, please, I want to play Sims 3. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have it, and I never had it until I, was, I had Sims 4. And now, like... I look at The Sims 3 compared to The Sims 4. And if you're like been a long time simmer, you've got that kind of like love for The Sims 3. And a lot of people say The Sims 3 is like better than The yeah, Sims 4. Yeah, I've heard that. But um, I just look at it and I think, oh my God, looks like crap. <laughs> this looks awful. But it's just when you, you spoil it with The Sims 4, really. Mm-hmm. And then you see The Sims 3 and it's like, ah. Oh. But I used to, whenever I go around my friend, I was just like, I want to play this game so bad. Mm-hmm. And I never had it. Yeah. Sad face. Yeah. We've all been there. You go around to your friend's house and you're like, I'm not really here for you. I just, can we play that, that one that game, That one game please? that I really like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's time for something a little bit peculiar now. A little bit strange. We've got paper this week. We have. We've not got to just rub our hands together. No, the the ink has been filled and we the bought pa- paper. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. News time. Oh. It's weird news time, but before we actually read the weird news, weird news is sponsored each and every week by our podcast producers. It is indeed. You can head to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump if you want to be a podcast producer and get a shout out in the middle of the show. Yes. Yes. Here it is. This week's podcast producers are Alex McDonald, Caden Agrinox, Sacred Omega, Sean Legg, G.Y. Goliath, Katie Garrett, Ellie Nicholas, Erica Hutchinson, Melody L. Bonnet, Nathan, Gabrielle Philippink, and Corey Duffell. Thank you. I got Thank thrown you, off producers. by Nathan because Nathan doesn't have a surname. No, it's the only one without a surname. Nathan. Thank, Thank you, you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. We love you. You keep us going, each yeah. and every one of you. 
I've got a weird news here, ah, Ashton. That's good, because that's the name of the segment. It is good, and the name of the segment. Um, this was submitted to us on our weird news social media post on Twitter. You guys can submit weird news every week to us uh, on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, this is from Sam at SamLCFC98. Um, Best year. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's from Kotaku.com, written by Ian Walker. Uh, and the headline, Dark Souls player beats game by throwing plops at bosses. It actually used a swear word. It's a swear headline. word in the headline? Yeah, oh it's bad. Oh my gosh, Kotaku. Uh, subheading, this is the crappiest run of a From Software game I've ever seen. Nice. Very good. Nice. Dark Souls gives players a lot of leeway in how they want to approach its challenges, but I don't think even the developers at From Software envision someone someday beating the game with a bunch of poop. Lil Aggie, a speedrunner known for setting record times in Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, recently decided to see if he could reach the end of Dark Souls while limiting himself to using only the game's throwable dung pies to defeat its various bosses. Mm. The whole thing took over seven and a half hours, but by the end of the challenge, challenging ordeal, Aggie found himself standing victorious over the corpses of his poop-covered foes. All in all, Aggie's Dung Pie run is a fascinating look at just how freeform Dark Souls can be. Dung Pies, for the uninitiated, are projectile items featured throughout the Dark Souls series. In the original game, they inflict enemies with the deadly toxic status while poisoning you as well, making them situational at best. But if you can hit enemies with enough of these little rolled up balls of... swear word, and simply... <laughs> simply outlast them, dung piles can be a potent, if time-consuming, way to deal with troublesome bosses. It just takes some planning, knowledge of attack patterns, and a little patience. Fortunately, one disgusting merchant in Dark Souls is more than happy to supply you with an endless supply of feces, so Aggie's run mostly comes down to avoiding bosses as they slowly die from the toxic stench. He does take liberties here and there, such as using non-dung pie-related exploits to defeat and or avoid certain enemies that are immune to poisoning. But after seeing him defeat the notoriously unforgiving game's final boss using just poop, I'm sure you'll agree that he aced his challenge. Um, well done, little laggy. Well indeed, it says Dark Souls may be nearing its 11th birthday, but videos like this prove it's not going away anytime soon. Lil Aggie is what you call me if I'm hungry. Yeah. You get a little Aggie. You get a little Aggie. Yeah. Oh, no. I have some weird news, too. Luckily. Tell me it. Is This comes from Matthew Weselowski on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, we also post it over there. Follow, we do. follow us on Facebook. Follow while you're there, yeah. please. It is from gamingbible.co.uk, written by Catherine Lewis. Catherine says, Developer review bombed on Steam for putting anti-mask rant in patch notes. Oh, whether or not you agree with the practice, review bombing is certainly is a thing that exists. Um, people leave heaps of negative reviews on games for a variety of reasons, and often those reasons aren't actually anything to do with the game itself, such as calling developers out for problematic views they might hold. Well, this exact thing that's exactly what's currently happening with the indie gladiator management sim Domina. Domina. Mm. Over the past few days, it's managed to rack up hundreds of negative reviews on Steam. At the time of writing, just 23% of its most recent 955 reviews were positive. Why I hear you ask? For some reason, the developer Dolphin Barn Incorporated decided to leave a completely out-of-place anti-mask rant in, the most, in their most recent patch notes. Then there's about five adverts. <laughs> Take off the flipping masks! 
Next time you're at the grocery store, try showing a woman your face. Be confident, unafraid of the lies. You might get a girlfriend, the note reads. Oh my God. Women like confidence. Women don't like dudes who cover their faces in fear. What are you afraid of? Getting laid? Grow up. Needless to say, most Steam users understandably haven't been responding to this message in the way that Dolphin Barn Incorporated probably hoped. And I think you'll find, if we can just interject there, Ashton, yes. that masks are as much or perhaps more so about protecting others than yourself, so it's and, not about being afraid. And actually, Peter, most women find masks sexy. That's true. Yeah. It is actually scientific. I saw a headline, didn't read the article, as is often the way on the internet, yes. that said, wearing a mask makes people more attractive. Because I think you can just see like that much. Just, it's mysterious. And I guess you can, well, it's either mysterious or you can see fewer imperfections That's maybe. That's true. That could be it. One time my boyfriend was uh, in a shop buying some wine and he had his mask on and the man asked him to take his mask down and the man liked to get to ID him. And the man said, oh, you look better with the mask up. Whoa. Oh, he might have said you look younger with the mask up. Oh, younger, but, right. Which is not so bad. But he came home and he was like, do I look Whoa, old on the bottom I've got half of my old face? eyes? Oh, old, yeah, sorry, old I think chin. it's just because he had a beard, but the way that the man said it was like so out of pocket that he was like, huh? <laughs> Weird. Um, anyway, he sorry, goes on go to on. say, yeah. uh, anti-masker devs using their patch notes as a glorified Twitter feed, embarrassing, one user wrote in a review. How to ruin a game in two easy steps. One, add microtransactions year into re- years into release. Two, add a weird rant about masks in your patch notes. and uh, Avoid this dev, said another. Strangely, this isn't the first time the dev has slipped messages into their patch notes but that clearly don't belong there. As noted by PC Gamer in May 2021, at the bottom of a different set of notes, there is a particularly bizarre rant about Pornhub, OnlyFans, and growing potatoes. And I don't even know is the line underneath. Okay. Weak men lack character. Strong moral fibre is hard to come by. It's earned through hard work and sacrifice, and it cannot be and it cannot be had via OnlyFans or Pornhub, they wrote this time. Um, no, those effing things aren't demonic, in brackets, possessions, waiting to show you a, waiting to show you a succubus titty in the hopes you'll waste a load on her instead of spending that energy studying how to weld or grow a potato or learning a new language (laughs) or how to program a computer. Masturbating to e-girls isn't going to solve the energy crisis, is it? Get to work. What? What? Okay. There's a lot to unpack there, and I yeah. don't, we're not, we're not going to do it. We've simply not the time. Goodness me. Um, the article finishes, I'll be honest, reader, I don't know how to how on earth I meant to follow up from a sentence that's just... I don't know how I meant to follow up from a sentence talking about succubus tiddy. Let's just all take a moment to process this all, shall we? Okay, I'm still not closer to comprehending it. I think that's enough internet for today, I think. Hmm. So there you are. Wow. Um... That's quite the story. Thanks for that, Ashton. No problem. Thank you, Matthew. And the, someone else sent it in as well, but it was a different... The, the funny thing about that is that's... I'm sure it's not the first time it's ever happened, but it's the first time I think we've covered a story about review bombing for um, reasons that ideologically align with my own <laughs> thoughts. Like, normally yeah. people review bomb games because they're mad that there's a lesbian kiss in it yeah. or that, like, you know, it's a female protagonist or, or whatever. Or Aloy's got beards. Yeah, or Aloy's got a beard. And so I'm, I'm like, who the hell are you to, like, review bomb a game for stupid reasons like that? In this instance, I agree that anti-mask rants in your patch notes, that's it's ridiculous. Weird. But I still very much think that review bombing is just a stupid thing. I, it doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. It's like, weird. Yeah, so... But that's just an interesting thing. That's yeah. the first time it's like more... Grow some potatoes. Get to work. Yeah, that's right. 
stop masturbating and learn how to weld. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All that time you spend touching yourself, how about you touch some grass instead? Yeah, indeed. Uh, good. Well, it's time for question three. Yeah. That was wonderful. Thank you. Um, this is from Marliahi, Liai, uh, who says, <laughs> Hey, BAP. Has there ever been a game that you forced yourself to like, be it because you knew uh, you knew you would uh, and had to stick with it, or because you knew it would get better? Thank you. Thank Good you question. Ma. Thank you, Ma. Uh, I talked, I think even just last week, about Terraria. Yes. Um, how when I first heard about it, it was at the sort of height of Minecraft's initial wave of popularity. It looked like kind of a 2D knockoff Minecraft Sounded lame, kind of looked a bit rubbish. Then some of my friends from school were like, oh, yeah, well, well we weren't at school anymore, but they were school, old school friends were saying, hey, we, we played a little bit of it recently, and we think it can be pretty fun in multiplayer. We're going to put a server together. And it became a bit of a, 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 a regular thing. Like every summer for like three or four years in a row, we put a world together and had a great time. And uh, I definitely, in those first few you know, sittings, def you know, was was forcing myself to like it or get, to give it a chance, um, and I'm really glad I did. And uh, if I if I had the time and I had a squad, I would play Terraria tomorrow. It's a lovely game. Um, you know, there's so much to it, and they continued. I don't know if they still are now, but they continued to update it for a long time. Like mm. there would be gaps for a while, and then suddenly out of nowhere, you'd think like the game is sort of finished and that that this is all the content you're going to get. And then like a couple of years later, they were like big up, you know, update loads of new bosses and items and all kinds of things. So yeah, good game. Uh, I've even written resident evil seven to an extent. Now this wasn't so much for thinking hmm. that I wouldn't like it, but I did find that game pretty spooky. It was pretty spooky. Uh, in the fair. opening. I just found it very unnerving. I think the longer it went on, you kind of just get more, used to what they're doing and what you're dealing with and actually i think once the sort of black slime mold monsters appear i was yeah. a bit like okay this is this is like not that scary anymore but i think the opening of that game feels like it's something that could almost happen and i mm -hmm. i've always found that kind of horror equally scary or if not more scary than supernatural horror i don't yeah. like possession and ghosts and stuff i don't like paranormal activity the film i find that very unnerving but I'm not sort of scared by monster movies or like yeah. things like that. Uh, but I am unnerved by the idea that there are actual people out there who might be mad and going to get you and yeah. they're going to like lock eat you people. in their house and maybe eat you. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, the opening of Resident Evil 7, the first couple of hours, I did kind of have to force myself to play a little bit. Um and then, as I say, I got used to it. But uh, yeah, other than those two, I was trying to think of one that, you know, I really thought I'm going to hate this and, you know, made myself stick with. But I, I couldn't really think of one. So uh, Terraria is probably the best answer there for me. I have one and okay. it's a recent one. I really didn't think and also was kind of correct for a bit. I was going to like Guardians of the Galaxy. The oh, game. yeah, yeah. Like when I saw trailers of it, I was kind of like, oh, interesting. And then I saw some gameplay and I was like, mm, I don't really like this style of game. There's too much going on on the screen. It's going to be too overwhelming. Yeah. And I, <laughs> for the first couple of weeks after I was playing it on the podcast, 
I just didn't, I guess Kip was like, I don't think I like it. Like, I don't know what, I don't know why I keep playing it. I don't like it. I don't like the characters. I don't really like the combat. I don't massively, I'm not really like involved in it that much. But I kept being like, well, just like give it, keep, finish it. You know, you might be like halfway through, see how you, see how it gets on. And then by the end of it, really liked it. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of kept forcing myself to like go back and play it, even though I, I was getting like, annoyed and there was bits of it that I didn't like but once I'd kind of like gone over myself a bit and just like focused and just like well I'm just gonna play it I'm just gonna keep playing it and then if I don't like it after a certain point I'll give up I don't know if I ever gave myself that certain point or I kept being like right maybe this will be the point and then like continue playing it anyway but there was definitely moments where I was like I'm never I'm not gonna play this game mm. and I think that I was lucky to get a copy of it because of this job because i think if i didn't i wouldn't have played the game right yeah, yeah. i think that i would have just kind of like not bothered buying not it wanted to take a chance on yeah it. exactly yeah. and i think that maybe it would be one of those games that i'd eventually have bought but i think that i wouldn't have bought it from like seeing some of the marketing for it um i just didn't like the way it looked when it when they were playing it and i, I kind of still now I, I have issues with some of the combat and the way that some of it works but I just, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to like this game. I'm going to keep playing it until I like it. And then I did. And it ended up being one of my favorite games of the year. Yeah. But it just took me a couple of like, I think it must have taken me like 10, 15 hours to get into it and like really enjoy it. But then once I did, I was really glad that I forced myself through it. But I just, I don't know what it was about the uh, the opening of that game. I just wasn't interested. For me, it was almost the other way around. Like, leading up to it i thought i'm i'm really gonna like this mm -hmm. um and when i started it i was really enjoying it i liked the the i really liked the characters all the way through mm. um but for, for me like the combat which you mentioned also you know kind of struggling with and not not enjoying that much that was the thing that i really disliked to the point that it's kind of like a mini version of this question where it's like it's not that i was forcing myself to play through the whole game because i i didn't like the game but i thought i would because there were bits of it that i really did like mm. but i was forcing myself to play through each combat segment yeah so i was going through like a mini version of the question like every time I, there was like fighting i was like oh just mash all these abilities yeah, don't really know of, what any of them are doing yeah i kind of felt the same for I, and i still kind of think i did feel the same all the way up until the yeah. end like there was combat bits where i was like can't be asked. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Like there's people all around and I can't see them because they're so small on my screen. There's so much happening. And I do remember just kind of being like, we'll just plod our way through this combat scene on easy and then we'll get to finish the story and do mm -hmm. some more exploring and stuff. But but yeah, I did you ever finish it? Uh I didn't get to the end, no. Um, because I just I I got too sick of that combat mm. uh, as it went on. I played I don't know, like six or seven hours of it, and at that point, you know. I was probably, you know, getting towards the end or, you know, I was well on my way. And part of me was like, I should just sit through this. Yeah. But I thought if I'm not, if I'm not enjoying myself, why am I playing it? And yeah. it was such a shame because like I say, I really enjoyed the characters and, I, and the story. I thought it looked really good. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, that's a, that is, that is a massive shame that like it let me down so much um, with that combat. I just felt that like, you know, it was designed so that you weren't really supposed to be like uh, particularly involved involved or like a, a powerful 
fighter like the whole idea was that you're commanding a squad mm. and i thought i don't want to do that like yeah. you know and it just felt like you were shooting little like a pellet gun at, at things like yeah, your, your weapon did that. nothing um everyone else was just like doing loads of damage and i was yeah. just like Whereas you compare it to even something like, uh, you know, we talked about Kingdom Hearts last mm. week. Um, that's a game where you've got a squad with you all the way through and you have the ability to um, not actually command them necessarily, but you kind of equip them and you can like give them certain abilities yeah. that you want them to do. You can summon characters in yeah. and you can you can activate like abilities of your own. And it's, the, it's a similar kind of play style in that you're, it's like, it's not just mindless mashing of your weapon there's like management you're like scrolling through menus and stuff while you're fighting in kingdom hearts and i think like just something a bit closer to that with guardians would have been better where yeah. you have actual power and ability as a as a fighter um yeah you can maybe get your friends to come in and like do do occasional things but that should just be like peppered into the combat it shouldn't mm. it shouldn't just be the bulk of it yeah um i just felt i was i was just watching cooldowns waiting for them to to go and then just like mashing the next one not knowing which one i was hitting and <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so that. that was our review of guardians i know where did that come <laughs> from but yeah well it's time for the big discussion oh, that came quick <laughs> it's time for the big discussion this week's big discussion comes from dan clapper dan says hi bap the very minimal hud in her <laughs> <laughs> The very minimal HUD used in Elden Ring has sparked some debate over what is the optimal amount of HUD slash UI for a game to have, and also some memes about what the game would look like if it had been made by Ubisoft. Uh, what are your preferences to how much HUD a game should have? Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I love when games have minimal HUD. Me too. Or no HUD. I love oh my it. god, I love it so much. Um, I. Um, I, I was trying to think of like there's kind of different levels of no HUD there are some games that just have no HUD whatsoever mm. um, and if you're able to make a game where you can do that but also the player is able to kind of use their intuition and work out what they're supposed to be doing yeah. then that, that works well enough sometimes when there's no HUD you can be like what the hell is going on yeah. or you know you need little button prompts and if they're not coming up because there aren't even button prompts in a game that can be a problem um, some games of course just show HUD when it's needed, and then it fades away again. Um, I mean, there are plenty of modern examples, but that even goes back to, like, for some reason, the first one that came into my mind uh, was, like, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Yeah. I was like, going to say Spyro doesn't have any. Those games don't have HUD. They, when you pick up a gem or a Wumper Fruit, a counter just quickly comes in, tells you how much you've got, and then it goes away again. Mm -hmm. And actually, really, you're running around with, like, not a lot. And that also then made me think, in terms of Spyro, that you've got games that perhaps even better, almost they have a HUD, but it's like a contextual indicator. Yeah. So you've got Sparks the Dragonfly. His color is telling you how much health you've got, but yeah. it's not like having a health bar in the corner of the screen. And you can also use him to direct you towards things. In yeah, exactly. Like rather than have like a pointer, mm. um, as some games would have, or like a compass. Um, and likewise, Dead Space is a game where there's like there's there's HUD when you like open inventories and things. There's like a you know a huge grid of items and all all that kind of stuff. And um, you know you read notes and things like that. But in terms of contextual indicators, down the spine of your character, there's like I don't know if you've seen it. He's got like a he's he's in this sci-fi suit, and there's just down his back there's like a. a 
a light, like a line, right. uh, just built into his suit. It's like a bulb. Uh, and it's got little dividers in like it. that's your health. And that's your health bar. Okay. Um, but it's just, it just looks like it's part of his suit. Um, There's other like really good examples of like contextual HUDs. So like um, it's VR, admittedly. So HUDs are a lot more difficult. But I watched a video about um, what makes Half-Life Alex so good for, as a VR game. Mm-hmm. And the one thing it doesn't have is a massive HUD on you all times. If you want to see how much ammo you've got, you've got to check your arm and it'll yeah. say how much ammo you've got on your your hearts are all on one arm and you can like have a look and everything that is contextually involved in like what you're doing. So you never have like a little bar at the bottom that says you have like 45 health left. You Mm -hmm. just look and you've got like two and a half hearts and you're like, okay, well I need to find some health or something. But it's never like in your face and really obtuse and stuff. So I think that like contextual HUDs work great. Yeah. I mean, some players, they do need a bit more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I think... What confused me about this question, about all the discourse about the Elden Ring HUD, is that like it it wasn't even that minimal. Like I was mm. confused by this because I went, I was like, huh, have I been, have I, am I thinking of something different? Because I went back and I watched some of like just random Elden Ring footage. And it's pretty obvious the things, I think it's got more HUD than Horizon Forbidden West had. Right. So Horizon Forbidden West has the option where you can have a very minimal HUD that's like a dynamic HUD. So it pops up to tell you what your mission is mm-hmm. when you've got a mission equipped and then it will fade away. Yeah. And to get it up, you just have to swipe on the touchpad. And even then it's all that's got on the screen when everything's off is your health in the top left-hand corner and then a little rock in the bottom right-hand corner to let you know like what you've got equipped on your like throwables or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. It's all you've got most of the time and then you just swipe up to let you know what's going on. But Elden Ring just literally has your health and then it has like the things you've got equipped, like your estus flask or whatever they're called in the equivalent yeah Yeah. and i was like i'm confused by this because this hud is very similar i mean even far cry 6 didn't have that much hud yeah i mean a lot of games don't now have or like you say it just fades away while it's not needed yeah this is what was confusing me about this whole conversation Mm -hmm. because i was like have you played any other games like i'm i'm really confused why everyone was like there's no hud in this game and i'm like what are you talking about? I yeah. can see it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that I I personally prefer minimal HUD, but HUD that is dynamic to what you're doing. Yeah. Like that's, I think the best way, if you've got a mission or you're trying to collect something, it tells you that you've got, you know, six out of eight that you need to collect. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just meandering around being like, have I got enough? Did I do it? Mm-hmm. Have I achieved what I needed to achieve? So I think that like, I just think that that's just the better way. It doesn't take you out of the game. It doesn't like force you to like have a big pop up on your screen at all times or anything. Mm-hmm. Same with like Last of Us. Last of Us doesn't have a huge HUD. You have like your like weapons and stuff. And if you want to craft, it's an, a separate menu that pops up. Yeah. Rather than it being like you can craft, being like you can craft. Hey, mm-hmm. did you know you can craft things? Yeah. Just in case you didn't know. Yeah. So. But exactly. It, it all like adds into the 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 cinematic feeling of so many games nowadays and you know in, in games in the past sort of 10 years have just become far more of that kind of cinematic spectacle and actually i think ironically one game that i really love for the way it handles hud is actually an ubisoft game yeah but it's an earlier ubisoft game for the ps2 it's the official video game tie uh, the official movie tie-in video game mm-hmm. uh for king kong peter right. jackson's king kong okay um, which we have said, I think, more on more than one list, is one of the best 
movie adaptation video games of all time because they're normally terrible, but this one's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, it was led by uh, Michel Ancel, who also did Beyond Good and Evil, so maybe that's why I like it so much. <laughs> but that game, it's a first-person shooter, mm. effectively, but you also get to play as King Kong. But um, you don't have any crosshairs. Uh, if you want to aim, you either do it from the hip and just hope that you, the middle of the screen is in mm -hmm. the right place, or you can look down your sights, but it's just like iron sights. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I really like about that is that there's no there's no health indicator. The screen just goes red when you're, you're ill or injured, not ill. <laughs> um, and even the way it handles ammo, um, that's about the only thing that will ever come up on screen but only if you check. Um, and so you don't have an ammo indicator on screen all the time. And just throughout the combat sequences, your guy will sort of monologue to himself. I go, right. oh man, I've only got, I've only got two, two magazines left. And you know, he'll be like, oh, last magazine. Uh, and he's sort of talking to himself. Mm. So that's more of a contextual thing. Yeah. And then if you want to see how much ammo you've got, you press whatever button it is, like Y or triangle or something, and he actually pulls the magazine out and he like looks in it. Right. Uh, yeah. And then a tiny number comes up in the corner. But it's like, you know, it's it's quite kind of immersive that he's having to you wouldn't know if you're like in the middle of combat, like shooting, unless you're keeping count in your head. Yeah. You would have to actually check, like, oh crap, how many bullets have I got left? So he like pulls it out and has a look. I think that works really well. And uh, you know, I I that's what I love, I think, the most is contextual stuff you know minimum actual stuff on screen that's like constantly there i think that should be like that, that shouldn't be there at all if it can be helped um and then uh yeah like ideally stuff that kind of is is contextual within the game like yeah. wherever possible yeah yeah i also think that it like having a a hud that is somewhat or an ui that is somewhat kind of customizable is like the best way forward because a lot some mm -hmm. people just would prefer that the information is always on the screen at yeah. all times like with horizon forbidden west which is just because it's in my head you can put the dynamic hud on mm -hmm. or you can just leave it on at all times yeah and you can tell it like i want to be able to see this all the time because some people like some gamers want to see exactly what's going yeah, on they want to know exactly how much they've got of things exactly where they're going and other people just kind of want to see what happens mm -hmm. then just play and see well you know figure it out as you go and play it a bit more realistically if yeah. that's the correct way of saying it but i think sometimes like some huds just really ruin the immersion of a lot of games like mm -hmm. when you've got big things popping up which is again why i had some issues with um guardians because i was like there's too much going yeah. on on my screen right now like mm -hmm. there's the hud and there's also all the numbers popping up people doing damage and everything so i was a bit kind of like that that overwhelmed me, and that's kind of one of the huds that I I wouldn't. Like, but even the hud in Guardians is also kind of not always there. Like no. when you're walking yeah. around, you don't have the hud. Mm -hmm. It's only really in combat. So yeah, I think that it depends on the again it depends on the individual and the context of the game. But some people just love lots of information, and we are just not those people. No, I mean we talk. You know that that my example was a kind of uh, an early Ubisoft game, but mm -hmm. like modern examples. You know, the way that I saw the way they parodied the, the Elden Ring HUD and, yeah. they, they were, you know, there were like counters and like objectives and mm. all kinds of alerts on screen and stuff. And uh, yeah, to me, that's that's always too much. I don't want to see any of that. But in a way, that's just more that's like symptomatic of like the game design as a whole of mm -hmm. those games. The fact that there are all these things to collect, 
and you know uh, all these different you know you can do like crafting and you can do you know you can be like leveling up and there's side quests to go and do and there's all kinds of things to do and yet that those things have to be tracked in some way yeah um I mean, yeah, it would be nice if they weren't tracked on screen and they were all hidden in a menu. Um, so I guess even then, like, that maybe shouldn't all be shown on screen. But yeah, as much as anything else, it's more to do with Ubisoft's game design rather than their HUD design, yeah. I think. The fact that all that stuff is even in there in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you look at Far Cry 6, and Far Cry 6 had mini-map in the bottom left, had the mission and your health bar, and then I think it had ammo as well. Like, it's not a lot no. on your screen, Doesn't but have it's to just be. the content of the game is yeah. a lot. Yeah. And there's a lot going on at all times. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that HUDs are very useful in some situations, but in other situations, it's just not needed. Yeah. Same thing with, like, various UI or, like, uh, game design. Like, again, Horizon Forbidden West, if you want to see where the collectibles are, you either... It tells you, like, do you just want to just be able to figure it out or do you want to have it on your screen at all right. times? Because yeah. you can just like be like, well, that's a chest. I'm going to go open the chest. And it won't have that like thing of being like, here's a chest. Mm -hmm. Or if you like flick one of the uh, focus buttons, it will just be like, there's a chest over there. Or there's some wood if you want to go get that. But you gradually get to know like what things look like. Yeah. So you don't really need that all the time. Um, like you say, to have the options. Yeah, that's is the best way. I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, HUD is... Good sometimes and bad sometimes. That's uh, our answer. That's our answer. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. It's time for the outro now. Peter. Yes, it is. Peter, where can everyone outro. find us? Uh, we're Team Triple Jump. Come to youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. That's where all of our videos and live streams happen. Um, when we're streaming on Twitch, uh, you can subscribe to us via Amazon Prime at no extra cost if you're already paying for Prime. You can just get a free Twitch sub on there. Um, Sorry, I thought you looked as though no, like something had gone, gone wrong. No, I, thought I, you went. no I just no, flashed flash you a nice smile. Amazon's closed down now. Don't tell them. Oh. Don't tell Jeffy. Uh, he's broke yes uh, when we're streaming on both Twitch and YouTube uh, we're modded by Lord Brotovich Trialing Badger and Mr. Black we've got social media presences at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump you can get video content on there live stream announcements little bits of news and stuff um, Fraser looks after all of that for us but we're also over at TikTok now tiktok.com forward slash at team triple jump mm -hmm. Ashton and Fraser are doing a great job over there in fact I recorded one with Ashton you yesterday did. which yeah. might be out by the time this podcast goes out Potentially, don't know. Sure. am I viral yet <laughs> mum mum am I viral uh, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is where you can go to support us financially it really does make all the difference and we Try and give back to you with various rewards. So see what you'd like. Send us the cash and we'll and send you, you the reward. We have a website, don't you know, Peter? It's triplej.mup. That's triple J-U.mp. It mm. spells jump. If you want to join our Discord, where all of our lovely community hang out and chat, you can go to triplej.mup forward slash Discord. On Discord, we're modded by Jack, Joe, Tori, and Hollowise. And if they're to do something, bloody well do it. Um... If you're listening to the podcast in its audio forms, if you've you've watched it, be fancy. Hey, I'm I'm off for a lovely wedding adventure this weekend. I really want to listen to this in its audio forms. That's me. Why not go to triplejet.mup forward slash podcast to find out where you can listen to it? I'm not getting married this weekend. No, you're not getting married this weekend. It's just a wedding, wedding planning, planning related adventure. Related adventure. Mm. Um, if you want to watch some of the live stream vods, if you miss one of the many live streams that we do a week, you can go to triplejet.mup forward slash vods. And if you want to buy some merch. Like this, 
or like this. It's not ironed, but... This. You can go to triplejumpshop.com. Check out the new merch. There's hopefully a new merch release coming in the near or distant future. Not sure yet. Um, and if you want to follow us on Twitter for all of those announcements, go to Triple Jump Shop on at Triple Jump Shop on Twitter. If you want to follow me or Peter on Instagram on Twitter, you can go to at that Peter Austin and at Scrambled Ashton on both. If you want to follow Ben, he's just on Twitter. It's at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday being the joint stream on YouTube. Blaze, Blaze it. it. Uh, we also do Worst Games Ever. It's a fortnightly show. It's Friday for patrons of a certain tier, $5, I think. A Sunday for everyone else. We do the podcast every single Saturday. And we do shows all the flipping damn time. There was a lot of shows last week. Yeah. If you guys noticed. Loads. They were all over the place. Yeah. Constantly content coming out over the weekend. Shows all up in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, please leave a review on iTunes of five stars. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Facebook, please go and follow us there. We've already said it twice in this podcast. Why haven't you done it yet? Please <laughs> go now to facebook.com forward slash team triple jump and follow us. It genuinely will help because we'll be able to monetize the page. And then, you know, that we're a business. We're trying to keep keep paying alive. our bills. Keep alive. <laughs> Um, we have a quip scope that came out this week. If you want to find out more about what I thought about GTA 5 expounded and enhanced, then check out the quip scope on the podcast feed and the channel. Mm-hmm. It's also, you lucky you lucky sods, two weeks in a row, two worst games ever. Two weeks in a row, you lucky sods. You were <laughs> unlucky a couple of weeks ago because you had a two-week wait. Yes. But now, it, it's all, everything's coming, it's all up, coming Millhouse up Millhouse for you guys. Um, yeah, another worst games ever. It go. It was went out yesterday at mm-hmm. time of release of this podcast for um, patrons and tomorrow for everyone else. Uh, and there's also, I believe, on Friday. Yeah, speaking of things that went up yesterday at time of release. Yeah, and shows yeah. as well. It's our first main menu back after Christmas. Yeah. Yes, because there was pandemic, and then we recorded it in February. So yeah, this must be the first one. Mm-hmm. So our first main menu back after Christmas. Wow. What did we make? Peter? Uh, we made Tiny Tina's crumpets. Yes. They were bad. From the Borderlands. It was just batter in, and stuff. Yeah. In honor of <laughs> Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, not Tiny Peter's Chunderlands, not no, to be confused. That was after uh, we ate it yeah. and we turned the cameras off. We decided to make some crumpets from Tiny Tina's mm-hmm. favorite things. Uh, and you can find out how they turned out on the main menu yesterday uh and uh there's another episode that we recorded on that same day which mm-hmm. will probably be going out sort of this time next month as yes. well so sit tight for that one yeah stay subscribed and so on yes and maybe just maybe i don't know if we will have but we might have reached two hundred thousand by the time we're back next week we might have done because we're at 199 we're now we're at, time at 1995 we've got 500 we're like 500 Ooh, away really yeah we're really close to two hundred thousand. so it may well have happened it may well have happened and in which case we'll be really happy because we get to go to a buffet yeah we're having a big <laughs> celebratory triple jump team buffet yes it's gonna be fabulous Yes, right. Less is enough time to find out the sponsor of this week's podcast again. Uh, after we've been to that buffet, uh, I will go home and be Tiny Peter's Chunderlands, um, and I'll be happy about it. Yeah. I'm going to eat until Worth I'm it. sick, and um, I'll be pleased. So there. Mm. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week for another podcast. Bye. Bye then.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.